The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, building a championship team is never easy, and when it comes to the NFL draft, nobody really knows how picks will perform. There were a few teams in the history of the league that actually got it right. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. Come one, come all. (laughs) What's the old saying? Friends, uh... Countrymen, lend me your ears. Is that what it is? I I don't know. Anyway, it's the Behind the Mic Podcast. Hi, how are y'all doing? That's not the intro. This is the intro. So, NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. Lend me your ears. This show is for you guys and gals. And again, it's always great if you already know this stuff. But this show exists not necessarily for you. But, I mean, thanks for listening anyway. But this is for those who don't always know a lot about NFL history, okay? There's some things that they don't know. So we're here to do three things, and that is enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic Podcast. There it is. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, Belly Up Media, all right? BellyUpSports.com. Go to that website, click on it, check out the merch, the shows, especially this one, and please, always this one, if you like. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of other shows out there. They're great. They got some good shows out there for our Belly Up Sports Podcast family. You can catch us all on our home base of Megaphone. Also, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Those are the favorites. So, NFL Draft 2023. I delayed the show on purpose. Okay? You know, I, I want to do this and drop it on the day of the draft. But today is the day before. It is Wednesday. And, uh, you know, we got to talking about it. Me, my grandfather, and my uh, and uh, my father, we went to breakfast this morning. I'm off this week enjoying, you know, having some uh, extra sleep and uh we went to breakfast i took took my grandpa and my dad to breakfast we're talking about you know we're here in nashville tennessee so we're talking about the titans i'm a titan supporter uh, i root for the titans every game except for my true team which is the pittsburgh steelers and obviously i keep up and you know they're like what do they need you know they need this is derrick henry gonna stick around what's going on with ryan Tannehill? blah 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 and, uh, you know, in the midst of the conversation, you know, I had to remind them and just tell them, hey, look, you know, when you really want to get better, it's really one way to, to get better, better. You know, you got to bottom out. You need to be drafting at the top, not at the bottom. If you're already at the bottom, you must be doing OK uh, or coming off a championship one. That doesn't always hold true. But the other way, actually, to get better is also through free agency. You got to give some stuff up to get something back. Work for the Rams. They haven't had a first-round pick since, what, 2017? And it got them a championship. At least one trophy is in the case. So, you know, you have that, and that's that's great. Um, and the Titans around here, I mean, we're always picking in the middle, it seems like. We're right, right there in the middle. Good team, but not good enough. Or bad team and not bad enough. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, you have a lot of different avenues and ways to get better. And there's so many fans across the the world of the NFL. And they have their teams. And some of their teams will will almost 
<laughs> it seems like they will never be good, at least not while they're around. But uh, then they have those who are just doing it right. They got the right people that know how to cook the meal that are the GM and the owner and the head coach. And they know how to put a team together that are it's pretty consistent. And voila, they have championships or they're vying for a championship at some point during your lifetime as a fan. And they're doing things right. But not everybody gets it right. Uh, the draft this year is in Kansas City. They just won the Super Bowl. And uh, they're hosting the NFL draft. They were there, what, a, a year and a half ago? They lost. And then before that, they were there. They, they beat the San Francisco 49ers. And so they got two out of three. So they're doing something right. And the number one thing they did was select Patrick Mahomes. They have Andy Reid as the head coach. They draft well. And they seem to reload, especially when you get that franchise quarterback. This is the thing, the thing that the Titans are looking for around here. No one believes in Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. There's some that do believe in Ryan Tannehill. And he's just kind of like right there in the middle. And Tannehill isn't a terrible quarterback, but they want someone like a Patrick Mahomes. They want someone that's going to put them well over the top. The only way that that's going to happen is via trade or, you know, if you just hopefully sign you know, that that big time free agent quarterback, you know, they I don't know if they got in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes that heavy, but, uh, you know, the Jets ended up with him. Right. So yeah, will the Jets win the championship because of it. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not in that business. This is a historical show. And, you know, if you go take a walk through history and you see how teams done it, I mean, historically, since 1936, the first year of the NFL draft, it was held at the Ritz-Carlton and uh, in February, and they had 90 prospects. There was no scouting. It was word of mouth, and they just picked the guys on the board. And the first pick that went to the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the eventual the eventual NFL commissioner and, and the owner at the time, Burt Bell, who put all this together in Philly, Jay Birdwanger, the Heisman Trophy winner, the, the top pick in the draft, didn't even want to play. That happened, but nowadays, and you got the you you there's there's buzz, there's magazine covers, and they talk about it for weeks before, during, and after. That's part of the reason why the NFL goes around. But when you try to find that franchise changing player, and it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. And around here in Tennessee, I mean, uh, they're looking for that franchise <laughs> changing player. Derrick Henry is good. He's a great running back. But you're probably not going to win a championship unless you put more around him and probably take some of that load off of him. He could only stiff arm people 10 feet into the first row only a handful of years. And it's getting towards that point where it is he's an injury away or a couple years away from a serious decline. Running backs don't last long, right? They have the shelf life of a banana. But, uh, I mean, good luck to everybody that's, you know <laughs> – your, your teams and everything. I mean, I'm looking for my team to get better uh, with uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, we need depth as well as some replacements. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens on tomorrow. That's the excitement of the draft. We all think that we we know what 
players are going to do going forward, well, we have no idea. The Panthers and the Texans and the Cardinals, uh, the, the Colts, Seahawks, Lions, Raiders, Falcons, Bears, and Eagles. And the Eagles, you know, they got their pick even though they was in the Super Bowl. You know, you get these trades and these things like that that happen and you get in into a good spot like that. You can build upon a team that just lost the Super Bowl and get even better. Or you could be the Bears. You win your regular season finale instead of getting the first pick of the draft. You know, you go ahead and, I mean, you, you, you flip out of that. And now the Panthers have their choice of quarterbacks. Will it be Bryce Young? Will it be C.J. Stroud? You got all these other great prospects, too. I mean, uh, you got the Nolan Smiths, the Jackson Smith in Jigbas, the Will Anderson Juniors out of Alabama, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of uh, Florida, you know, you got all of these guys that are, you know, supposed to be so good. They got these high draft grades. I love Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, B. John Robinson out of Texas running back. I mean, but I have no idea. Uh, I'm not going to pretend, you know, to be uh, anybody, not a Todd McShay and, and definitely not Mel Kuyper Jr. So, I mean, but you can see with your eyes, but then you have no idea until these guys get on the grass for real when it counts injuries can derail a career uh the, the team itself can derail a career because of lack of coaching or la lack of putting people around these guys you have no idea until they have to get after until they actually excuse me get out there i mean not all drafts equal championships that's just not the way it works more times than not at least some teams successes you know it's reaching the playoffs that's their success that's their level of success they win a division perhaps they get to a conference championship or maybe they win it and get to the super bowl but take the 2017 new orleans saints draft class they ended up drafting what marshawn Lattimore, four-time pro bowler right tackle ryan ramshack first round uh five-time pro bowler alva Kamara. he missed it just this past year you know we know why and then you had safety Marcus Williams, who just spent his first year in Baltimore. He was pretty good, pretty good starter for New Orleans. But during these guys' rookie year, they went 11-5. Then they had the heartbreaking loss to Minnesota in the divisional round. Yeah, that Minnesota miracle, the other one, Stephon Diggs with the 61-yard touchdown catch. Then in 2018, the next year, they get to the NFC Championship game. Okay, a 3-13 season, they won the division, then they have another devastating yet controversial loss thanks to the passive interference that wasn't called against the Rams. On the flip side, then you have a team like the San Francisco 49ers. Smack dab in the middle of a dynasty in the 1980s. They had already won the Super Bowl twice in 81 and 1984. After they drafted Jerry Rice in 1985, they continued to build that next year. The 86 draft class for San Francisco brought in seven starters. You had 49ers fans, you know this. You had fullback Tom Rathman, cornerback Tim McKay, and receiver John Taylor in the third round. Hall of Fame defensive end. Before he was a Cowboy, he was a San Francisco 49er. Charles Haley, tackle Steve Wallace, defensive end Kevin Fagan. They were all in the fourth round. In the sixth round, they got another starter at defensive back in Don Griffin. The result, back-to-back. Super Bowl champs in 88 and 89 in a heartbreaking loss. Uh, well, not heartbreaking, but they lost a game they shouldn't have to the Minnesota Vikings. They seem to haunt everybody, don't they? Uh, they were the, the favorites to win the Super Bowl in 1987, and they got upset. But they made up for it the next two years. But not everybody was a dynasty in the 80s. You had, you know, great and Hall of Fame level 
players there nonetheless would take the Washington football team draft in 1981. This was Joe Gibbs' first year as coach. They had already had Joe Theismann and Rick Walker and Art Monk, who was going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's Monk. Uh, Don Warren, Mark Mosley, the 1982 MVP of the NFL as a kicker. George Stark, who was a uh, the starter at tackle, and then before he was a starter, Jeff Bostic, and of course Mark Murphy, who was a safety, a pretty good safety on defense. Not all of these guys were starters, but look at the draft that built towards the Super Bowl appearances that were four, going all the way up to 1991, and the three rings that they won. Okay, so they had Mark May, and this is the 81 draft for Washington. Mark May, Russ Grimm, two of the Hogs, Dexter Manley, who had an unofficial, what, 103 and a half sacks before, you know, this was summer before, he, you know, they started counting them. Uh, Charlie Brown, Daryl Grant, and Clint Didier, all starters, Pro Bowlers, some of these all pros at some point in their career. And of course, it could be better, but yet worse for some teams. Some would contend that the, the 1965 Chicago Bears draft that landed both Gale Sayers and Dick Buckus, two Hall of Famers, was Chicago's best ever. Yet, this team never made a postseason. Never. See how it works? Everybody getting this so far. Different angles and ways of success. And for some, none at all. You got the Browns, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Texans. They've never been to the Super Bowl. And add to that, the Falcons, Bills, Panthers, Bengals, Vikings, and Titans, they've never won an NFL championship of any kind before or after the Super Bowl was created. Now, if you want to include the Houston Oilers championships that they won in the AFL, okay, could that count towards the Titans or are they going to count towards the Texans? Yeah, it's going to count towards the Titans. But here are some examples in the history of the league of just how successful an NFL draft actually can be. Kick the music. So, I mean, you go all the way back to 1957. 1957, the Cleveland Browns, they drafted two Hall of Famers, actually three. Jim Brown and guard Gene Hickers. These guys were Hall of Famers uh, for the Cleveland Browns uh, right there towards the end of Paul Brown's tenure there. And, of course, after Brown was fired and they bring in Blanton Collier, they win in 1964. And that year, they have actually brought in Leroy Kelly and Paul Warfield, who were Hall of Famers themselves in 1964. And then they also, in 57, uh, they had quarterback Milt Plum, who was pretty adequate as a quarterback. You know, he, he had over 60 touchdown passes as compared to 39 interceptions, and they had some pretty decent teams. But they also drafted Henry Jordan, who spent two seasons with Cleveland before being shipped over to the Green Bay Packers. That was in 1959. Uh, <laughs> The 1958 Green Bay Packers NFL Draft, that actually was the one that we wanted to look at. And the 58 Green Bay Packers, they selected Dan Curry, uh, Jim Taylor, Ray Nitschke, and Jerry Kramer. So you had these guys who would eventually form the 60s dynasty of the Green Bay Packers. Now, some are not very familiar with Don Dan Curry, who was... Uh, a linebacker out of Michigan State. He was the first round selection that year. He was a seven year starter at outside linebacker and he had 11 career interceptions with the team. Of course, you've got Jim Taylor and Ray Nitschke who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame along with Jerry Kramer. But the interesting thing for all of that is these guys were there the year before Vince Lombardi got there. Of course, 
six championship appearances in eight years, including five championships and two Super Bowl titles under Vince Lombardi. And Henry Jordan was one that was added to that roster the same year that Lombardi got there. That's pretty good. Then you go to the AFL. In 1961, that was noted as one of the best drafts for the San Diego Chargers. But, I mean, in 1960, Sid Gilman had been leading these guys or had already led them to the AFL championship. Uh, they wouldn't win it until 1963. But these three guys were pretty much the guys that kind of put them over the top for the 63 season. Defensive end Earl Faison of Indiana. He was the first-round pick. Keith Lincoln, running back out of Washington State in the second round. And then in the 15th round, out of Grambling State, defensive tackle, Ernie Ladd. Now, these guys, as my favorite book, America's Game, notates, these guys, they form the nucleus of one of the most explosive teams in that era for the AFL. And these guys, they beat the trash out of the Boston Patriots before they were New England. 51 to 10 in the 1963 AFL championship. And it's to be noted after that 61 draft that year, they actually went four and 10 after going to the AFL championship back to back years. They were the 63 champs. Uh, and again, when it came down to the, the, let's just call it like it is the Tennessee Titans, their uh, hallways have Houston Texans lore or Houston Oilers lore, excuse me, and their records are in their hallways. And this this was the franchise that the Chargers couldn't get over for two years. They lost to Houston twice. And then after that 63 championship, they lost to the Buffalo Bills in 64 and 65. But they were a great team. You make this championship game from 1960 to 1965, all those times, you do get one out of it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But then there's the 1963 Kansas City Chiefs. They draft Hall of Famers, Buck Buchanan out of Grambling State and guard Ed Booty um, out of Michigan State. You know, Michigan State, they were a powerhouse of uh, churning out those picks. And then there was Bobby Bell of Minnesota in round seven. And just to throw this in there, Gerald Wilson, who was a punter slash running back out of Southern Miss in the 11th round and Dave Hill out of Auburn in round 24. Yes, there were 24 rounds in the NFL draft at that point. So, you know, you have the 1963 Kansas City draft class. They were not there just yet, but they were good. But by 1969, of course, they won Super Bowl IV. And these was, you have these two guys with Buchanan and Bell who combined Hall of Famers, 10 first-team All-Pro appearances, and 17 Pro Bowls. That's pretty good. And Ed, I, not, I think I just said his name wrong. Ed, not Booty, his buddy. Ed Buddy, he was a guard. He was a seven-time AFL All-Star and Pro Bowler. So that's how good that he was. Then you fast forward to the 1964 Dallas Cowboys draft. Now the Cowboys draft, all right, there's two of them. I like the 64 one and I like the 1991. So in 64, they brought in Mel Renfro, Bullet Bob Hayes, and Roger Staubach. That's hard to get past. You got some Hall of Fame talent right there, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. You had a Olympic gold medal track star in a receiver with Bob Hayes and then Mel Renfro who what? I think he made 10 straight Pro Bowls at one time. And then you got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Roger Staubach. Well, the 91 Cowboys, I mean, it was more of a 
table setter than anything. Of course, we have the Herschel Walker trade. And yes, Jimmy Johnson was a genius making that switch. And he turned Herschel Walker and all those picks into Russell Maryland, Alvin Harper, uh, linebacker Dixon Edwards, tackle Eric Williams, who was a four-time Pro Bowler, and Leon Lett and Larry Brown. Three Super Bowls in four years. That's kind of hard to, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of hard to compare, right? But then, like I said, we talked about the 65 Bears. I mean, that's great. You, you draft two Hall of Famers, and you have no <laughs> postseason appearances, not success, appearances, zero. You know, I mean, there was a tough team. They had some great players, two of the great, greatest players in the history of not just the Chicago Bears, but of the league. But there, that just shows you the level of uh, the, diff, the biggest of the differences that you can have in the draft. Yeah, you can draft some great players, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have success, right? And then you fast forward to 1968, the 68 Miami Dolphins. And this was, you know, going from their AFL days heading into the NFL and all of that. Well, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick, you got that backfield combo that put together the 72 to help that 72 Dolphins undefeated team along with safety Dick Anderson. So, you know, they like to say that that was the greatest draft ever. I think I do agree, even though the 83 Dolphins team brought in Dan Marino late in the first round. And everybody knows, look, there was only one black punter that I knew of when I was a kid, and that was Reggie Roby. And he kicked the crap out of the ball. He just did. They found him in the sixth round. And one of my favorite receivers in the NFL in the history of the league was Mark Clayton. I mean, he was cool. He wore shades at times when he – I never saw – it was before visors were popular. He actually wore shades, almost like Oakley shades in the, in the 90s when he was playing. That was pretty cool, but he became – the Dolphins all-time leading receiver and he was great in the eighth round out of Louisville that's pretty good now everybody talks about the 74 draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers you got Swan and Stallworth and Lambert and Mike Webster and then they brought in Donnie Shell uh, as a free agent all great players all Hall of Famers except for Shell Shell was a Pro Bowl level type guy uh, but the 71 draft actually set the table for more than what was to come yeah you had in 1969, you had Joe Green, you had L.C. Greenwood, you know, that came through. 71 crop brought in Frank Lewis out of Grambling in the first round, Jack Ham out of Penn State in the second, Gary Mullins, who another starter out of Southern Cal in the fourth round, and then Larry Brown before he was a tight end. Well, after I was after he was a tight end, he caught a touchdown in Super Bowl nine. The next thing you know, he's a starting tackle in Super Bowl 14 for Pittsburgh. That's pretty good. They got him in the fifth round. And then another of the steel curtain, Ernie Holmes out of Texas Southern in the eighth round. And in round 11, Mike Wagner. Look at all these starters. Look at all these starters that they built. I mean, you built through the draft. No wonder they was the dynasty of the 70s. This is the kind of thing that you looked for, right? Then you got another dynasty the next one before they had that 86 draft and drafting jerry rice in 85 there was the 81 draft that actually put them over the top yeah in 79 they drafted joe montana that was great and they also brought in dwight clark later in those rounds if you ever watched america's game you know the super bowl which was the 1981 story you know the story of the 1981 san francisco 49ers they went through a lot of defensive backs and they found three starters and then plus one that was bagging groceries <laughs> but they found three starters 
that year, all rookies, they picked Ronnie Lott, Hall of Famer, Eric Wright in the second round, and then Carlton Williamson in the third round. And all three of these guys ended up being very, very integral. Of course, I think it was, I can't remember which one that was still on the roster by the time they won in 88. I think one of them was already gone, and then the other one was still there, but more so as a backup. But you know, these guys set the table for those at least those first two Super Bowl wins, and they were starters all that time, and they were great. They were absolutely great. So I'm going to back up. There was the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders were great as well. We know them as the winningest team for the longest time, going from the mid-60s all the way through the 70s and the early 80s, as a matter of fact, when they hoisted this, the Lombardi Trophy after the 1980s season. And the 68 Raiders brought in a couple of Hall of Famers and some starters in their own right. That was the same year that the Raiders actually drafted Eldridge Dickey out of TSU as the first black quarterback. This was the AFL draft, though. Just remember that. He was the first black quarterback to be selected in the first round. Of course, before he even threw a pass, they switched him to receiver. Hmm. But then after that, in the second round, they drafted Ken Stabler, Hall of Famer and 1974 NFL MVP. Third round, they got Archell, 15 years, left tackle, eight-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. And then later on, they got in the seventh, George Atkinson, that hard-hitting defensive back that I couldn't stand watching the play because he was, let me stop. And then in the 11th round, running back Marv Herbert. Seven years, he made three Pro Bowls, he even ran for 1,000 yards. I mean, this guy was a pretty dependable running back before they went more so to Clarence Davis and Mark Van Egan and Pete Vanizak. But they had, this was the 68 crew. And this crew went to the Super Bowl, by the way. So, you know, that's that was pretty good. Uh, let's go to 1985. 1985, the Buffalo Bills, they picked two of their Hall of Famers and one very important backup quarterback that year in the third round. First round, they got Bruce Smith, Hall of Famer. In the fourth round, Andre Reed from Little Bitty, Itty Bitty, Cootstown State in Pennsylvania. One of my favorite wide receivers ever, by the way. Uh, other than Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, I loved Andre Reed. And, and I dressed like Andre Reed when I played. I, I tried not to have anything on my arms. It was Jerry Rice at first, but I had the Andre Reed face mask, you know, with the double bar at the top and the and the double bar at the bottom. What? Yeah, I, I loved Andre Reed. Absolutely, I loved Andre Reed. And I felt kind of bad for him in, uh, in the Super Bowl when he was so frustrated, took his helmet off and threw it. Go back and watch. He was pissed off. He was so upset. But also in the third round, before they drafted Reed, they grabbed, they got, um, they grabbed uh, Frank Reich in the third round at quarterback. So, I mean, we already know about the comeback, the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL, you know, being down 35 points. I mean, that's you, you, you had a 30-some point lead at home, I mean, uh, um, away as the Houston Oilers, and you, you just gave it away. <laughs> and Frank Reich took it. He took it from you. He took, he took your lunch money. Uh, also, uh, 1996, the Baltimore Ravens. And, I mean, you have the Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame tight end from the Browns, Ozzie Newsom. His first draft, his first one, he selects two Hall of Famers in it. The first two picks were Hall of Famers. Jonathan Ogden 
and Ray Lewis. And we talked about Jermaine Lewis. He was trying to call Jermaine Lewis. This was in the fifth round when they was, you know, going to pick him. And I talked about it during the last show. He was upset. He shut his phone off because he and he went to the movies. He didn't want to hear anything from anybody because he thought he was going to get selected earlier. But I mean, Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. And then they also got out of you know my favorite school. University of Tennessee, the University of the Untouchables. Defensive back Deron Jenkins, he was okay in the second round. But your first two picks are Hall of Famers. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can't sniff at that. Uh, and then, let's get a little bit more modern. The 1971 Arizona Cardinals, their draft featured Hall of Fame lineman Dan Deodorf. Okay, you know, most of you probably remember, remember him from being in the booth Monday Night Football. They also have a receiver by the name of Mel Gray. He was a four-time Pro Bowler and uh, All-Pro in 1975. And then cornerback Norm Thompson, he spent six years as a defensive back for the Cards uh, back then. And he had, what, 22 picks in six years? Not bad. But the 2004 class, I think, tops that. Hall of Famer to be Larry Fitzgerald. We don't have to even give his credentials. And spending all that time with those sorry Cardinals and then helping them get to the Super Bowl. But he wasn't the only one that got there five years after they were selected. Carlos Dansby at linebacker and Darnell Dockett, who was a three-time Pro Bowler as a defensive lineman. They got to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43. I didn't feel bad for him because it was my Pittsburgh Steelers that did them in. So, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. And then finally, uh, in 1965, my last example, the Chicago Bears... Yeah, 1965, that was a, that was great. You got two Hall of Famers, but check out the 1983 Chicago Bears draft. We talk about, one day we're going to run through that one, uh, probably maybe next year. I don't know when. But in the first round, they picked two solid starters, and you had a six-time, the sixth overall pick and a great tackle in Jimbo Covert in the first round. And then they picked Willie Galt, 18th overall. Then in the third round, the Bears selected Dave Durison. Fourth round, fourth, and in the eighth round, they actually got two of their two more of their starting offensive line. You got Covert in the first, Tom Thayer in the fourth, and Mark Bortz uh, in the eighth round. And not only did they get Bortz in the eighth round, Hall of Fame defensive end and Super Bowl 20 MVP Richard Dent out of TSU. That I mean, these are the ABCs of the draft. I mean, that, that's what it is. My notes are done. We're done with the show. But here's the thing. You have to understand that it's just different levels of this thing. And there's a different way to actually win these days. And the way that they seem to be doing it, if they can't draft them, they'll go get them in free agency. But can you get it done in the draft? You definitely can. You definitely can. Just go ask the Kansas City Chiefs. That's it. References, thanks to ProFootballReference.com. Also, Bleacher Report. This was written by Russell S. Baxter. Every NFL team's greatest draft class in franchise history. This one was April 19th of 2013. And then I have to thank Matt Vandering of Sports Illustrated. He wrote this one in April, and it was updated April 8th of this year, 2023, of Sports Illustrated. The best NFL draft classes for all 32 teams. Hmm. And then, of course, there's the book, the book, America's Game, the NFL at 100, 
by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr., and this show is presented by Billy Up Sports. Also, Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, Belly Up Media. Check us out at bellyupsports.com. Go to that website, click on it, check out the merch as well as the shows. You can catch all of our shows through our home base of Megaphone. Also, the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about the show, and please enjoy the draft. Out. Out.